Greetings to all my cool cats and cool kittens. They try to copy our style, but they stay frostbitten. From the broadcast to the podcast, it is your man DM Cool. And this is Cool Radio. What we doing? You can catch me on your TV, even on the radio. Pop up at our blog spot, hand on my Awego. We invading airwaves. Yes, y'all, tell a friend to tell a friend. We are back. We are online. Once again, it's your man, DM Cool. And this is another edition of Cool Radio. Welcome back to the show, people. Thank y'all for tuning in. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. I haven't blessed you guys with a pod, but whenever I do come back with a pod, I always bring you something juicy. And today's episode is no exception. For the mic check segment of the day or the week, however you want to categorize it, uh, we're going to be talking about the controversy uh, that's been surrounded by this new Netflix series that's based off of Cleopatra, simply entitled Cleopatra. So we're going to talk about all of those things, and you already know that I got a lot to say about that, seeing as how jaded Pinkett Smith is a part of this series, so whew. Yeah, it's been a minute since I've roasted people, so we're about to go in on that. Uh, but beyond that, uh, we also got to talk about Jack Harlow. We also got to talk about the latest happening with Jonathan Majors. Like, that's something that I've been wanting to talk about for a minute, so we'll, we'll dive into that. And then, of course, we're going to talk about the idiot simply known as John Morant. But before we get into all of that, you guys already know. That I have some stuff to get off my chest. I mean, this whole episode, I've got things to get off my chest. But, nonetheless, to start off the show, I like to uh, talk about what grinds my gears a little bit. So, let's get to it. It's time to let that ish breathe. Let this bitch breathe! Now, this one isn't too, too major of a grinding my gears thing, if you will. However, it's something that I have noticed um, that... I kind of want to bring up in conversation as to why that may not be happening as often. And that is the cameos and or actual casting appearances of recording artists in television and film. So that used to be a staple, at least within hip hop, that was definitely a staple during the 90s and during the 2000s. But when it came to the 2010s, it fizzled out a little bit. It fizzled out. But then come the 2020s, which we're currently in right now, you're seeing a slight uptick in that. But I would say not even a slight uptick. It may not be happening as often. But the few times that it has happened so far, it's happened in a pretty significant way. So hear me out on this. So I wanted to bring this up specifically because... As some of you know, I am an avid wrestling fan. By the way, shout out to my Facebook group, The Mid Card Mess. Shout out to y'all. I see y'all. Um, one of the celebrities that took place, or sorry, not took place, but one of the celebrities that took part in this year's uh, festivities for World Wrestling Entertainment's WrestleMania event was none other than the most streamed recording artist in the world today, known as Bad Bunny. 
You guys already know who Bad Bunny is. No introduction needed. So he took part, uh, albeit in a smaller role in this year's WrestleMania, but it was not the first time that he took part in WrestleMania. Uh, the first time he took part in it was in 2021 when they were in, I believe it was Tampa. Back in 2020, they were supposed to be in Tampa originally, but then Corona happened. So they're like, all right, you know what? Now that we have, we somewhat... And I don't even want to say that they had it in control at that time. But now that the, the coronavirus is somewhat under control, which, let's be honest, in 2021, it wasn't. Not until maybe the latter half of the year. Um, <laughs> they were like, you know what? Let's have fans back in attendance. So that's exactly what they did because it's a money-making opportunity. And there's no way you're going to stop that gravy train when Bad Bunny, of all people, arguably the biggest pop star in the world, says that he wants to be a part of it. If he wants to be a part of it, damn it, you make that happen. And that's exactly what they did. They put him in a tag team match with a with a fellow Latino wrestler who goes by the name of Damian Priest. Both of them are from Puerto Rico. And they put on a show. And honestly, I did not know what to expect from Bad Bunny. I've seen celebrities take part in you know wrestling matches throughout the years. A few of them here and there got my attention, but for the most part, it's like... The cookie cutting, you know, just pretend to hit this dude up up uh, on his back with a chair, and the whole crowd goes wild, and you have your moment. Cool, which is fine. It's whatever, right? They're not trained wrestler or trained wrestlers or or professional stunt people, so I get it. I'm not even like putting massive expectations on them. However, when they came to Benito himself, that man put on a performance. He's not only a showman when it comes to the microphone. But clearly, he's a showman when it comes to the realm of sports entertainment because he was pulling off some wrestling moves and maneuvers that I was like, hold on. I've rarely seen a celebrity pull that off before. And if they have, they usually have some sort of athletic background. He, to my knowledge, has no athletic background. I'm sure he goes to the gym, works out, does all that jazz. But it's not like he was a professional soccer player or a professional uh, basketball player or anything like that. He was just somebody who took the time in the schedule to work with trained wrestlers to brush up on skills so that when it came to showtime, that he would put on a performance. And that's exactly what he did two years ago at WrestleMania. This guy was diving off of the top rope. He was doing you know, certain maneuvers that, again, take Years of training to perfect, and he did it in months. Albeit, I'm sure he was he was working with a great crew of people, but for a celebrity who has no prior experience in wrestling other than being a fan and watching it, I thought that was really impressive. And so that brought us back to WrestleMania earlier this year, back in uh, the beginning of April, where he got a little bit involved uh, with uh, in a match between Rey Mysterio and his son Don Mysterio, him being on Rey's side. And that led to Ray getting the victory. And then that spilled into the next event that he was going to be a part of, which was known as Backlash. Now, what was significant about Backlash is that it took place in his native country of Puerto Rico. San Juan, to be exact. And let me tell you something, y'all. This crowd was one of the hottest crowds I've ever, ever seen for a wrestling event. And a lot of factors took place into that. Obviously, WWE is like the highest uh, promotional brand when it comes to sports entertainment. Not only that, but Puerto Rico hasn't seen a massive wrestling event on that scale in decades. And they're like a wrestling country as well. Like, they're big on it. 
And thirdly, and most importantly, Bad Bunny was set to be in the main event. Well, co-main event, I should say. And his performance in this event was easily better than the one that he did two years ago. And the irony in this scenario is that two years ago, he was partnered up with Damian Priest. But now in this scenario, he is going one-on-one with Damian Priest. Now, one-on-one, I say loosely because other people got involved, which turned out to be fucking phenomenal. But nonetheless, his popularity and his performance is what garnered so much attention for that event. It's one of the biggest... Well, they don't say pay-per-view anymore. They say premium live event because they stream it on their own network. But it was one of the biggest premium events that they've ever put on. It, even if you go back to the actual pay-per-view, day, pay-per-view days of the 90s and the 2000s, so on and so forth. Like, the, he put on a massive performance. And it makes me wonder, how come we don't see celebrities crossing over... Well, let's just say recording artists. I want to say recording artists. So how come we don't see recording artists crossing over into other genres of entertainment that often anymore, like we used to. And that's something that I would kind of like to see every now and again. It doesn't have to be all the time. It doesn't have to be overblown. But I wouldn't mind seeing that every now and again. And I think Bad Bunny's performance at WrestleMania was a huge indicator that something like that can definitely work if given the right circumstance, you put that person along with the right people to get the proper training and what have you. It can happen. And it has happened in recent years. Um, outside of that, you have Jack Harlow, who we're going to talk about later on in the show. He just put out, you know, the remake of White Man Can't Jump on Disney+. Plus. Now, am I going to watch it? Probably not, because we're talking about White Man Can't Jump. The one I identify with is one with Woody Harrelson and Wesley Snipes and Rosie Perez. Like, that's the one that I, that's the OG one. You know what I mean? So, that one, I'll leave it to the Gen Z babies. They can have that one. Cool. I'm not even going to knock them on that. They can have that one. Uh, but nonetheless, he does make his appearances, you know, in in film. And he also had that big commercial spot for the Super Bowl with the uh, Doritos uh, ad campaign. Apart from him, you have Little Dicky, who has his own series on FX called Dave, which they're in the third season. And I still haven't watched the third season yet. I, I'm going to get to it soon enough. The first two seasons were freaking hilarious. I loved every minute of it. And what I like about that show is that Dave goes out of his way to include rappers that we're all familiar with from I would say today's generation and he's had a whole bunch of them on his show like literally like it's either every episode or every other episode that he's had these rappers on the show so it's him basically just throwing out the plug and be like yo listen like y'all want some more exposure boom here's a platform for me I got y'all so I think it's really cool that they have that and it kind of remind me reminded me of when Method Man and Red Man had their own show um, back in, what was it, like the mid-2000s, the Method and Red show? It reminded me a bit of that. Speaking of Method Man, um, another rapper who is currently on television right now from the younger generation, I should say, is none other than Dave East. Dave East was one of the cast members of the, uh, what, was the net- what was the network? Uh, Hulu. He was on the Hulu series uh, Wu-Tang and American Saga, whom he played Method Man. And he did a good job in that role as well. They just wrapped up their third and final season. And it was a good show. Season two, in particular, is my favorite season out of the three. Uh, but yeah, that's another rapper who is definitely partaking in that. And so I would just love to see more of that. Because even in the last decade, uh, the 2010s, you didn't really see too much of that. Like Tyga and ASAP Rocky were in the movie Dope. I remember that. Um, you had Childish Gambino, who did the first two seasons of Atlanta during that time period. 
although with Gambino, he was an actor before he became a rapper, so that one is a little tricky to navigate. And obviously, if you want to go back into the crates, you can say the same thing for somebody like Most Def, for example. Uh, but regardless, there is an avenue for it. There's still an avenue for it. And I would love to see more recording artists kind of partake in that, just as a little a little fun little project and what have you. It doesn't have to be an entire series. It could just be a cameo or maybe like a minor minor role where they have a few lines and that's about it. Because, I don't know, maybe it's the nostalgia of it all that's kind of getting to me. But I remember during the 90s, you know, you saw somebody like Biggie Smalls appear in an episode of Martin. You saw Tupac Shakur. I mean, he was in so many different movies during the 90s. But then even made cameos in shows like A Different World and also, uh, what was it, In Living Color. Uh, Ice Cube, like, again, he was like literally almost in everything it felt like. Uh, then you had Jamie Foxx. But again, Jamie Foxx is more of an actor before he became a recording artist. But nonetheless, he had his own TV series. By the way, by the way, this has to be said. Jamie Foxx, get well. Please. Please get well. I, I don't want to see him go. No one does. No, obviously. I mean, that, that's stating the obvious. But Jamie Foxx, to me, is arguably the most versatile, versatile entertainer that I've ever seen in my lifetime. Someone who is an expert in singing, comedy, and acting. You, you don't get those often. And on top of that, he's just, he just seems like a super cool guy. So I'm, I'm hoping for the best when it comes to Jamie Foxx because he's an absolute gem. So I just wanted to get that real, out there real quick. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there's, a, there's a bevy of artists that, that you can go to. I mean, Queen Latifah, Will Smith, et cetera, et cetera, you name it. It's almost self-explanatory at this point. But I'm glad that someone of Bad Bunny's caliber, like, again, him being the biggest pop artist in the world, partaking in something that's been seen as niche over the years when it comes to pro wrestling. I think that's super awesome. And I would love to see more celebrities take on those risky endeavors to see what the payoff will be. And I don't see Bad Bunny's star dimming because he decided to take part in wrestling. No, I think if anything, it's just going to get bigger. It's going to make WWE's product a bit bigger as well, put more eyes on it as well. And we'll see where it goes. But the question I have for you all is, do you want to see more of that? Or better yet, what recording artists, or let's just say celebrities in general, do you want to see cross over from one avenue to the other? Either way, let me know your thoughts, hit me up on all my socials, and let's talk about it. So let's get to the mic check segments. Let's talk about this Cleopatra series, ladies and gentlemen. Alright, so full disclosure, this will not be a review of the series. This will mainly just be... A conversation about the idea of the show, what they're trying to market, or what they were trying to market, and the backlash that it has received for, let's just say, historical insensitivities. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, as most of you know, Cleopatra is a docuseries that's on Netflix right now, and it was produced by Jaded Pinkett. Not even gonna put the Smith at the end of it like I did it earlier in the show. Just jaded Pinkett. That is all. She's a producer of this series. And to nobody's surprise, it got terrible reviews, both from audiences and critics alike. And it's one of the few times where audiences and critics in this day and age are aligned with the same thoughts and views. Because 
I'm looking at the trailer for it, and I'm like, yeah, this is not going to pass. This is not going to pass. And the reason why, or one of the main reasons why, I should say, why the show has gotten negative reviews from both critics and, and audiences is due to the non-factual historical depiction of Cleopatra as a black woman. Now, if this were a fictional series, you can make whomever into whatever you want them to be. But if you are going to tell people that this is based on a true story and you're going to have authors and scholars and, and historians alike chiming in throughout each episode to give their take on Cleopatra or any other historical figure for that matter, you have to be as close to factual as you possibly can be. And they're already off to a bad start by stating that she was a black woman. Because if anyone who knows the history of Cleopatra, she was not a black woman. Sorry, guys. She wasn't. She was a Greek woman. But nonetheless, we'll, we'll get into more of that as we go along. So... Jada was trying to dispute that Cleopatra was, in fact, a black woman, which, in fact, she was not a black woman. And she tried to make the comparisons and ties to Cleopatra or the casting of Cleopatra being black to the likes of characters like Queen Ramona from Black Panther and um, and the, the queen from the Bridgerton series. I, I, her name is escaping me right now. Uh, but trying to make the connections with that. And then... Although you're trying to make those connections with those characters, those characters at the end of the day are fictional. Queen Ramonda from Black Panther is from a fictional country called Wakanda, okay? Again, a fictional character. You can make whatever you want in fiction. And then as it pertains to the Queen character from Bridgerton, although it is set in a period piece that is relative to an era that, that did happen in human civilization... It's still ultimately a fictional series. None of the characters in Bridgerton are real life people or historical real life people for that matter. So again, you can add whatever you want to it. I mean, hell, I mean, I don't know if they continued this fate or this um, fad or not fad, but this trend. But I remember in the first season of Bridgerton, whenever there was an orchestra playing their, their music, they were literally playing the orchestral versions of pop records from the last five years. And, I'm going to take a safe guess and state that um, a song like A Party in the USA, for example, did not come out in 1824. <laughs> okay? Let's, let's just put that out there right now. All right? Like, I'm pretty sure that, that that song was not from the Victorian era or the Venetian era or the Parisian era or anything of that sort. Okay? Anyways, I'm being a little tongue-in-cheek. You already know. But nonetheless... Comparing the casting of a non-fictional character to that of fictional characters was already your big mistake. And then the actress who plays the lead role of Cleopatra tried to come out and defend Jada as well as defend the whole show and basically made a very ignorant and blanket, blanketed statement stating that, and I'm paraphrasing, mind you, basically saying that It's racist to not accept the character being black. Let me say that one more time. She, again, paraphrasing, mind you, but she stated that it's racist to not support the show 
due to the fact that the character is black. I'm sorry, but this is not a this is not an example where you can use racism. You could probably make that case if it were a fictional show and people stated that they don't want to watch it because because the character is black, like the scenario with the um, that actress name uh, Amanda. Amanda, I can't remember her last name, but basically the one who played the the um, the little girl in the Hunger Games and what have you, like that could be that is a more direct and more um, factual example. But again, we're talking about a real life non-fictional person in human history. Wow. She could have been further from the truth, and this is one of the examples of of people claiming racism that I hate because it takes away from the actual seriousness of racism. And not only that, but this is an example of I don't even know if like blackwashing is a term, but when but what is an, an actual term is race swapping indeed. Because when you're race swapping, you're only doing it just to fill out your di diversity quota in a sense and you could definitely make the case that this is an example of that but this is more this is a more egregious example of that because of the fact that cleopatra wasn't black cleopatra wasn't even in egyptian by 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 ethnic standards she was greek so why not hire a greek actress or at least an actress from that general mediterranean area to play the role of cleopatra and then this actress also went on to say that, you know, uh, so many people would be up in arms if if uh, their favorite characters were, were 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 race remixed and what have you, and how you know this doesn't really happen with, with black characters often. But in recent history, there have been so many scenarios where we have seen characters that have been race swapped from whatever race they were originally to black characters. It's happened so often. It's even to the point where when she posted these comments on, on social media, there are so many people who responded to her with the recasting of this character as a black person and the recasting of that character as a black person, so on and so forth. Hell, I've said, even on this podcast, that I don't care for a character to be race-swapped if I've known that character to be of a particular race for so many years. Like, there was a big story that happened two years ago where people were where where Warner Brothers was was speculating, well not even speculating, but Warner Brothers was basically trying to advertise that the possibility of a new Superman coming to theaters it was going to be a black man potentially being played by Michael B. Jordan. And me personally, I didn't care for it. I did not care to see a black Superman. One, I don't even like Superman. And two, the main line Superman that we know of, Cal L. Clark Kent, albeit he's an alien, but in physical form, he looks like a white man. So why are you now going to change him black all of a sudden? If anything, just get a character from the comics who's already black and make a movie about that character. And I will say the exact same thing in this scenario. If you're going to make a historical figure into the centerpiece of your production, instead of race swapping them to fulfill whatever fantasies that you had as a child that ultimately ended up being lies why don't you actually get a historical black figure from the sub-saharan uh african nations to play the role as a black queen 
because there are plenty, plenty of figures that you can think of. But the reason why a lot of these people don't want to do it, and when I'm and and I'll be honest, people including black people don't want to do it, is because of the fact that West African and just general Sub-Saharan African culture has never really been celebrated. Other than Black Panther and maybe coming to America, if you really want to stretch it that far, Sub-Saharan African cultures have never really been celebrated. If anything, they've been made fun of. And because of that, Black people will look at that and they'll say, well, I don't want to be associated with this. Let me just attach myself to something else to, to make my self-esteem grow stronger, which is why there are so many Black Americans who are obsessed with this idea that they originate from Egyptians. And that's just not true. I'm sorry. And that's another thing that, that made me very angry when I heard about this story is the fact that this is just another example of black Americans in particular wanting to pander and be a part of, of ancient Egyptian culture. It's just they don't they do not originate from them. They originate from West Africans who are taken away uh, from slavery or by slavery rather. But again, they will romanticize this idea that they are the descendants of Egyptians and will call themselves pharaohs and and queens and, and all this. So this is where all the hoteps get their crazy ideas from, but they can never back it up with fact. So whether it's Dr. Umar, quote unquote, Dr. Umar Johnson or Tariq Nasheed, or anyone else who wants to fancy themselves as a philosopher of sorts. This is where they get their misinformation, and they, they spread their misinformation, and because of the way they deliver it with their oratory skills and, and, and their use of academia, people who don't know better or people who are too lazy to do the research on their own will believe this with no questions asked whatsoever and say, oh my gosh, he's right. It's no, they're not right. They're just fooling you because they come from the cult of personality. So seeing stuff like this really upsets me. It really annoys me. And it just goes into a larger conversation of how black people in America in particular view themselves. And this goes on to other issues. Sorry, not other issues. Goes on to the same issue rather. But what I mean is this 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 is a trickle down effect by by what by what cultures african americans at times would like to associate themselves with whether it's egyptian culture whether it's the indigenous communities of of northern america or or north america rather uh whether it's uh the samoans and and the and the polynesians of the of the pacific islands they will always link themselves other cultures because of how prominent and rich their their histories are and how fascinating they are or because of the amount of struggle that they've been through and black americans like to identify themselves with struggle because that somehow some way that's what defines blackness which is absolutely stupid they will do all that before acknowledging to themselves that they are of west african descent now, you can call this a bias on my part or a bit of sour grapes seeing how I am of immediate African descent with my father being from Ghana and my mother being from Nigeria, respectively. But this is something that I've witnessed for a very, very long time. Maybe not my whole life, 
but I've definitely witnessed this for a very, very long time. And for somebody who has gotten older and much more mature and what have you, it's just disheartening and annoying more, more than anything. It's just annoying more than anything to still see this continue. And it's not like it's only like 16-year-olds or people in their mid-20s saying this shit. It's people over the age of 30. That's the annoying thing right there. It's people over the age of 30 who are saying this. Hell, even in the promotional trailer for this show, one of the people who's being interviewed as an expert on this, and she was like an old-ass woman as well. She's at least in her 50s, minimum. She's out here talking about, I don't care what nobody tells me. Cleopatra is black. Really? You don't care what anyone tells you. You don't care what historians tell you, what authors tell you scholars tell you archaeologists tell you people who have been studying things like this for years into their careers who actually have facts and evidence to back it up as opposed to bullshit fairy tales that your mom told you just so you could have better self-esteem you're gonna sit here as a 50 plus year old woman and and defiantly say that cleopatra is black because it makes you feel better about yourself? Bitch, please. How about you actually do some research on actual African queens from Ghana, from Nigeria, from Ivory Coast, uh, Ivory Coast, pardon me, from Senegal, from Mali, or from any other country in the continent below the Saharan who is actually a monarch of sorts? Instead of remixing everything to suit your narrative. A perfect example of that is The Woman King. Y'all know The Woman King. I didn't even bother watching that and I'm never going to watch that. I will never watch that movie. You know why? Because the directors and producers of that film lied. Not only to the black audience, but to the general going public whoever saw this shit. They saw what they they saw what Black Panther did with the Dora Milaje, which is actually inspired by you know like a real life tribe of women. I'll be that, but again, fictional, fictional. If it's fiction, you can do whatever the fuck you want. But this movie, The Woman King, was marketed as based on a true story, based on true events. The movie that they tried to give you was a movie about a band of women who came from neighboring tribes within a particular region who wanted who recruited one another to fight off against the the invading white man from Europe but the reality of that story is the fact that these women were brought together from neighboring tribes to work alongside the Europeans in bringing in slaves and, and shipping them off across the Atlantic. That's the real story of the quote-unquote woman king. But they totally took that out of the equation and tried to pass this off as facts. And that's dangerous. Again, if the woman king was sold or advertised as a fictional story about how all these women banded together to fight off against a white man, cool. We wouldn't be talking about this today. But they sold it off as if to say that these women actually did that. But when in reality, they were banded together to wrangle up more slaves, more people who look like them alongside the European colonizers 
to put them in these ships and to ship them across the Atlantic. Huh. The ironic thing about that is that there are black Americans out there who have stated that there are curriculums in elementary schools and high schools that remix history and that leave and that omit things out of history, which is true, which is absolutely true. Like there are some there 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 are some people out there who will, who will tell you that the blacks who came to America were 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 volunteers, which is actually disgusting. But then you have instances where you have a movie that's comprised of mainly black actors. Some good ones in there too. Viola Davis, John Boyega. But then they lie to you and say that these people were protecting Africans when in reality, they as Africans were enslaving other Africans. That's a story that they didn't tell you. That's a story that they chose to admit. And that's dangerous. Especially if it's if it's a film coming from black producers as well, that's absolutely dangerous to do, and it's actually despicable in my opinion. Not only is that despicable, but what's despicable is the fact that when it comes to a, to a series like this, you're actually taking opportunities away from people of that people group to tell their stories. Like, how many times have we seen? films about Egyptian history or Egyptian mythology where they just cast anyone and everyone as like an Anglo-Saxon white person, you know? And then in this scenario, it's no different. It, it just so happens to be a, a minority that isn't of that particular group playing that character. There's even a, 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 an Egyptian gentleman who was speaking on this. I can't remember his name. But he was basically stating how Hollywood is telling our stories without our permission, essentially. And why is it that you have this African-American woman playing the character as opposed to somebody who is of Greek descent or at the very least of Egyptian descent to play this character? Now, albeit Cleopatra by ethnicity wasn't Egyptian. But it would make a hell of a lot more sense if it was if, if the character was played by an Egyptian woman or if it was played by a woman who at least has features and characteristics that are reminiscent of the Mediterranean era or Mediterranean area. Whether Cleopatra was Greek, Macedonian, well, Macedonian, Macedonian and Greece are pretty much in that same area. But nonetheless, it's like, why didn't you get somebody to play that character as opposed to hiring a black character? Or a black actor to play that character. Again, it just doesn't make any sense. And again, it's very ironic because black actors, especially if you're going back to like the early days of film where black actors couldn't even play themselves in their films, they were being played by white people who were doing blackface. You would think that with their with the history of of blacks in Hollywood. You would think that they would be a lot more empathetic and a lot more sensitive and understanding. But then here you go and create a film, or sorry, a docuseries rather, where you are trying to tell people that this is based on a true story, and yet you are getting a black actor to play the role of a non-black person in history. 
I'm sorry, but like, you got to keep that same energy. You can't say that's wrong for people to do the same thing that you're doing right now towards another group of people. And I know there are going to be some people talking about, well, Daniel, it's impossible for black people to be racist because we were never oppressed. Listen, I'm not even going to entertain anyone who, who tries to bring that argument to me because at the end of the day, racism is a large tree with multiple upon multiple branches. It's not just one singularity. There are levels to it. And having a character of one particular race playing a character that's of a completely different race within a film that you are marketing as a true story, so in other words, nonfiction, is a form of racism. Or at the very least, it's a form of racial inaccuracy. And that's literally what this is. And so for people to be mad at this movie for that reason, I don't blame, or sorry, movie, um, docuseries rather. For people to be mad at this docuseries for that reason, I don't blame them whatsoever. They have every right to feel that way because this is inaccurate. Get someone who's of Greek descent to play this role or a Macedonian descent or someone who's from the Mediterranean so that it's more believable. I mean, you look at a movie like, like, um, selena with jennifer lopez selena is mexican mexican whereas jennifer lopez is puerto rican and some people were a bit up in arms with that but nonetheless they they still at the very least got a latina woman to play that role they didn't get halle berry you know what i mean or or fuck they didn't get jada pinkett to do it they got a latina to do it as they should and the resemblance between Jennifer Lopez and Selena was very uncanny. But this actor, and I, I know nothing of this actor. I don't know what other work she's been in before. And I'm not even like I'm not even destroying her credibility as an actor. But her responses to the backlash and the criticism, the proper criticism rather, is flawed to say the least. I mean, hell, Zoe Zaldana, a black woman, got flack for playing. Nina Simone, a black woman. But I can understand why. It's because of the fact that their, their just overall image and facial features did not match whatsoever. Nina Simone is a bit more of a curvaceous, more richly melanated black woman with more pronounced features on her face, whether it's the bigger lips and the bigger nose and what have you. Whereas Zoe Zaldana is an Afro-Latina black woman who has lighter features and more Eurocentric features on her face. And if you have to put on a prosthetic nose and you have to darken your skin in order to play a role that is based on nonfiction, chances are you probably shouldn't play that role. And it's not like Zoe is out here hurting for money. I mean, she's been a part of so many different franchises, whether it's Guardians of the Galaxy, whether it's Avatar. Man, I mean, she's been a part of a lot of things. So she's not hurting for money. She's good. But I bring up that example to say that these people that made this show definitely dropped the ball and they deserve every form of criticism that they are currently receiving right now. And before we end off this topic, let me just say one more thing and then we'll move on to the next topic within the show. Going back to quote unquote diversity in Hollywood, going back to that for a second. 
I mentioned earlier that, you know, race swapping is very common nowadays more than ever in Hollywood. And to me, it's a lazy cop-out. It's a, it's a lazy, quote-unquote, fix to the diversity problem that Hollywood has been having. And Hollywood loves to pat itself on the back for saying, oh my gosh, guys, look, we got a, a, a black gay person who's going to be in a love scene in a movie. Okay, cool. And, like, that doesn't make me invested in the character. Like, what's the character's arc? What does he or she have to do with the main over overarching plot of the, of the story or of the series? Give me that before you give me their particulars, because I don't really care about all of that. But literally, that's just them patting themselves on the on the back for for the flex that they just pulled off. To me, that's lazy. Don't race swap a character just to be like, oh, we're gonna get this black character in, or oh, we're gonna get this Latino character in, or oh, we're gonna get the South Asian character in. No. Have the role. Cast the actor who is already suitable for that role and just treat that character like you would your white male or white female characters. Not everything has to be based upon their race. So if I see a black character in a movie, I don't want this character to go off about how they have to struggle in the white man's world or how they live in section eight government housing and all that shit. I don't want to hear about that. I don't. Now, I'm not going to speak for other races and other communities. But I would assume that if they're seeing themselves in a film or a television show, that they don't want the image of them being depicted in a negative light or in a stereotypical light for that matter. All all visible minorities want are just equal footing when it comes to their roles in Hollywood. That's it. Now, if you want to make a film about the struggle of one particular culture, what have you, sure, there's room for that, but that can't be the only avenue and lane that you're going to provide for these minority actors. It can't just be that all the time. Give them variety. Let these people hang with their white counterparts to show people, oh my God, this actor actually has range. I'm not just seeing them in a dance movie to save the rec center. I'm not just seeing them in a ghetto comedy. I'm not just seeing them playing the role of a recording artist who's trying to get a record deal to get out the hood. Give me more, is what I'm saying. And clearly, this Cleopatra docuseries is not more. It's less. If anything, it's just empty calories at the end of the day. So for them to be getting all these bad reviews and bad reactions, I'm not shocked at all one bit, especially if it's being produced by jaded pinkets of all people who can't produce nothing except entanglements. But hey, maybe I'm wrong. If any of you guys out there saw the show, what did you think of it? Did you like it? Was it matching what these uh, audience scores and critic scores are saying? Either way, let me know. Hit me up on all my socials and we'll talk about it. All right. Let's get to Trip Talk now. So Trip Talk typically consists of three of the hottest topics that took place in hip hop and pop culture. But I want to switch it up a little bit today. I want to focus on two topics, just two, two topics, but two topics that could definitely garner some conversation happening. So one of them is about Jack Harlow. So Jack Harlow is easily one of the most popular rappers in today's um, generation of raps. Like he's definitely ushering in the 2020s. Definitely had some buzz going in 
during like the late 20 teens, like 2017, 2018. But he's now seemed to have found his footing uh, within this generation of rap. Some people may say that he's probably the most popular rapper to come out of this current generation, and with good reason. Like I'm seeing him crossing over into different avenues. And like I just mentioned earlier in the show, he had that big Super Bowl spot with with Doritos. Uh, as far as Super Super Bowl commercials go. And on top of that, he just released a, a full-length movie on Disney+, Plus, the remake of White Man Can't Jump, another cult classic. And he recently just came out with a new album enti- entitled Jackman. And on one of the songs on that album, he had a subliminal, not, subliminal line going at Eminem. And I heard the line, and honestly, it's nothing worth me repeating. It was basically him just sending a shot at Eminem. Nothing too personal. Basically just saying how he is now earning the top spot as the best white rapper in the game. And honestly, I don't know when that became a trophy and why it became a trophy. I, I don't get it. Like, every, it feels like not maybe not every white rapper. Like, I never saw or heard any lines from Mac Miller saying that or even like Macklemore, for example. But it was, I, I don't know. I, maybe since the inclusion of Vanilla Ice, everyone's trying to go for that spot, whether it was Everlast, whether it was Eminem himself when, in, in his younger days. I, I don't know. It, it's just weird to me. Anyways, so he states that, and then out of nowhere, Machine Gun Kelly fires a, a diss shot at him as well. And Machine Gun Kelly, I don't know. that Machine Gun Kelly is like one of the most confusing people I've seen in a very long time. Like, I don't know if he is still interested in being a rapper or if he wants to have like this, you know, Motley Crue, Marilyn Manson image of being just like a hardcore rock star with him being super skinny, super tatted up and like just doing weird shit with the, with his hair or what have you. Or I don't even know if he just wants to just be like just a general entertainer. I don't know. That guy is confusing. He's really confusing. But not only is he confusing, but... We've seen the story from, from, from MGK before. This guy literally got into a rap beef with Eminem, what was like five years ago? And hey, respect to him. Like he held his own against Eminem. It was fine. It was cool. Eminem clapped back and got got back at him. In Eminem fashion, of course. But I don't understand why white rappers have this crab in a bucket mentality where it's like there can only be one white rapper that the black community respects and adores that's so weird and it's weird mainly because of the fact that unfortunately there are black people within the hip-hop community who still to this day don't like nor respect eminem even though eminem has done more than enough to solidify his placing within the upper echelon and pantheon of greatest rappers of all time regardless of race and it's not like you have to identify with Eminem just because he grew up in a struggle, you know, living in a trailer park and, and and being broke living in Detroit and what have you. Because again, like I said before, struggle should not have to be the identity of black people. But again, different topic for a different day. It's just weird. And I remember in that beef that he had with Eminem back in like 2018 or 2019, however long ago it was, somehow g Easy got involved in, in that rap beef as well. It was this weird white man triple tag team or triple threat match for the title of greatest white rapper ever or something like that. It was, it was just weird. And I feel like this is almost like a rehashing of it. Um, 
I would say the Jack Harlow that he doesn't need to engage in this activity because you're already at the top of the game right now. Like, I don't know if people are considering him to be the best rapper in today's generation as far as rappers who have come out from like 2020 and onwards. But he doesn't need to be entertaining any, any of these any, any of these discussions. Like, you're literally at the top of your game right now. You just came out with an album. You just came out with a movie. I hear your songs on different video games and not even realize that it was you until someone showed me a music video. Just stick to your business plan. Because whatever your business plan is right now, it's working. But if you're going to come on here and get too big for your britches to start calling out rappers like MGK and Eminem saying you're the best white rapper, then all you're going to do is derail yourself. Because anytime anyone gets into those conversations, they're rarely heard from again. Hell, just white, certain white, rap, white rappers are barely heard from again after a while. And, and that's without even entertaining the idea of beef. Like Macklemore, for example, I know he's still out here making music and what have you, but 10 years ago, when he had his massive run with Thrift Store and, um, what was it, City Can't Hold Us, and that entire album that they put out, The Heist, after that, we barely heard from them. Barely heard from them. But that's no fault of his own. I think the only fault of him that I would blame him for is him kind of like just relying on the whole white guilt thing, especially when it came to the Grammys and how he won the Grammy for Best Rapper and he was saying to Kendrick that it should have been him and he took a screenshot of their conversation and posted it on social media. That shit was corny. That shit was corny. Maybe that was the beginning of the end. Who knows? But that shit was corny. It's one thing to have a conversation in private with somebody about those things, but then to post it on social media so that you can show people how remorseful you are, that shit is corny. So, spare me with the liberal white guilt. I'm not here for it. But in general, I just wish that Jack Harlow would just focus on the music. Focus on the music. Don't focus on the trolls. Don't focus on who the best white rapper is because that's not a thing. I Like, that's not a thing. I'm sorry, but it's not a thing because even with Eminem being the best white rapper and just being one of the best rappers of all time, there is still a segment of people within the hip-hop community who don't respect him simply because he's white. And they think that because he's white is because of the reason why he's been so successful, which, again, is false. And I can share so many reasons for why that is false, but we'd be here all night, so I'm not going to do that. But nonetheless... Jack needs to focus on his own shit, focus on his own music, focus on his different business endeavors and what have you. I mean, like, this guy has cross-promotional deals with the NBA, man. Like, focus on your money, my guy. Like, Man GK is not doing a damn thing right now. Like, if it weren't for this whole fiasco, we wouldn't even know what he was doing. The last time I heard from, from MGK, he was out here dating Megan Fox. whoop do freaking do I don't even know if there's still a thing, but whatever. Either way, he needs to focus back on his shit. So, that's how I feel about the scenario. How do you guys feel about it? You already know what the deal is. Hit me up on all my socials, and let's talk about it. And the final topic we have for Trip Talk. Ooh, I've been waiting to talk about this for a minute now, y'all. Let's talk about Jonathan Majors. Now, ironically enough, I was watching Ant-Man Quantumania. Um, last night. So I haven't finished it yet because I was a little too tired to finish the rest of it. But what a sad state of affairs that, that, that we have now come to. So 
I don't exactly remember when this all started. I'm going to say sometime in April. Let's just say that to be safe. Where he was arrested and charged for domestic abuse. So, obviously, a lot of people made their opinions right there and then at that very moment. They were saying, oh, cancel him, cancel him, or he's done, or whatever. Me, on the other hand, I was like, I'm not on any side on this until I see facts. Until I see facts, I am not making an opinion on this at all. Not not on the record, at least. Not on the record. I want to see facts before I make my own decisions, or assertions, rather. Then we get word from his lawyers and his legal team that they have proof that will eventually prove his innocence and that all these charges will be dropped in no time. So I said, okay, cool. Send it to the DA and let's see what happens. But weeks and weeks and weeks went by where we still didn't hear anything from the DA's office about these alleged this alleged evidence that they had that would prove his name. And during that time, sponsorship after sponsorship sponsorship were dropping him like flies. He had an ad campaign for the U.S. Army. That got dropped. He had an invite to attend the Met Gala. That was rescinded. And I don't care for the Met Gala that much, but like when you're invited to the Met Gala, it means you're doing something right in your career. In entertainment. So when that got rescinded, I was like, ooh, yee, that's not a good look. And during that time, there are talks, and this is all speculation as far as what Marvel would do with regards to keeping him on as one of their primary actors. Because for those who don't know, um, Majors is playing the role of Kang, or He Remains, or, or the Conqueror, whatever you want to call it. But Kang is supposed to be the equivalent of Thanos. And we all know how big of a pop culture figure Thanos was during that during that you know three, four year period. And this is he's supposed to play their next big bad, essentially. And he signed on for multiple, multiple MCU projects, including films and TV shows. And with all this news happening right now, it's not as if they can fire him and then reshoot everything. That shit costs money. Especially when you take into consideration that we are now in the middle of a writer's strike in Hollywood. Meaning that whatever shows that you were waiting for to come out next year, they are now currently being delayed until this whole, you know, um, fight between the writers and, you know, Hollywood's board, I guess, ends. So that's just another issue in and of itself. And then there were reports that came in stating that the messages, the text messages that were exchanged between Majors and his girlfriend were obtained by his legal team. And he presented them to the DA's, I believe he presented them to the DA's office or they just leaked them online. And basically it's messages stating, with with, with the woman stating, oh, uh, I'm really sorry about what happened. Uh, you could tell them it's my fault. You could tell them that I'm the one that started it. Da, 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 da. Like basically, I'm paraphrasing when I say all that, but that's the general general gist of what was said in that in that text message exchange. And that was all coming from his woman, which means one of two things happened: a, either they both engaged in physical in a physical altercation with one another, 
or B, he did in fact put his hands on her, but then when this blew up into a media circus and both parties realized what they could potentially lose out of all of this, that's when she said, oh, just tell them it was my fault. So either way, it doesn't look good. And not only that, but his PR team dropped him as a client as well. So it's looking really bad for Jonathan Majors right now because he's one of the fastest rising stars in Hollywood. I first knew about him um, for the show Lovecraft Country. Or Love is it Lovecraft, Lovecraft Comedy? No, Lovecraft Country. Pardon me. Lovecraft Country. I didn't like the show, but I thought he was, he was good in it when it came to the acting. Then I found out about him in a movie called The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Still haven't seen it yet. But that's the film that apparently got the eyes of Hollywood's attention, essentially. Then he was in The Five Bloods, which he played a good role in there. Then he was in that Western movie that was produced by Jay-Z. Can't remember the name of it. I think The Harder They Fall. That's the name of it. The Harder They Fall. Very good film. He played a very good role in there. And then he goes on and plays the role of Kang uh, in, uh, in the Loki series. Or... For all my Marvel heads, he who remains, if you want to be super technical on it. Either way, this guy is on a wave right now. Oh, and of course, I forgot to mention, uh, he was the latest antagonist in Creed Part 3. Many people saying how he, by he I mean Majors, stole the show in that film. So for somebody who has such a commanding presence on the screen, and for somebody who is like, at the peak of his popularity right now as it currently stands. If it does come out that he did in fact put his hands on his wife or girlfriend, whatever you want to call it, then yeah, his career at the very least is going to be put on a very long hiatus. And that's just the best case scenario if in fact this is true. And put it this way. We saw what happened to Johnny Depp when he went through the whole court proceedings with Amber Heard. I mean, even just the headlines of him allegedly putting his hands on her was enough to steer people in the opposite direction. It wasn't until when we got to the actual trial and it was proven that that Amber Heard basically falsified a lot of the, the claims that she was making. And it was caught on tape as she was saying these things, basically weaponizing her own privilege as a female in this scenario to get the benefit of the doubt from the judge and the jurors. That was her plan. But then when that tape came out and she said all those things, it was proven that she was lying and that she was a fraud. But even then, even then, when the truth came out, there are still people all over who are still split on who to side with. Even though facts were presented So if that's the case for Johnny Depp, who has never been in any kind of controversy before up until this point, what does that mean for a guy like Jonathan Majors if he actually did, in fact, do what he was charged with? The future's not looking good for him. I still don't have an opinion on this as far as whether or not he did it, but what I will say is that it is not looking good for him at all and what i want to know is why did his legal team brag about having all this information that can exonerate him and yet they waited so long to present that information and when they did present the information it was nothing more than a bunch of text messages that was sent by his partner 
that actually make him look even worse than he already did before. If anything, Jonathan should drop his legal team immediately because they're not making anything better for him. But hey, we will see how this plays out. But what do you guys think? Do you think he did it? Do you think he's in trouble? Do you think that there could be some redemption along the way for him? Either way, let me know what your thoughts are and let's talk about it. And now it is time for the moment that you have all been waiting for. And on that note, I will not keep you waiting any longer. So, who has entered the shallow walls of the Hall of Shame this week? Who has been crowned the captain of Coonery this week? Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for Wankster of the Week. And ladies and gentlemen, I have been waiting for this one for a very very long time because this week's Wankster of the Week goes to none other than Memphis Grizzlies superstar Ja Morant Ja Morant is getting the Wankster of the Week well if I'm being honest he should have been getting the Wankster throughout this entire season but primarily he's getting the Wankster of the Week this time around because a new video of him has surfaced in which he is Yet again, recklessly waving around a firearms on Instagram Live. It wasn't from his own phone this time. It was from his friend's phone. But nonetheless, it was yet another instance of him self-inflicting his own image. Now, because of that, Nike has dropped him as a spokesperson, which is freaking huge considering the fact that Nike only has, well, now, they only have four people who are signed on as spokespeople with their own signature shoe line. And it was, or it currently is, as it currently stands, it is Giannis Antetokounmpo, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, and Paul George. Ja was the fifth. And even before Ja, he replaced Kyrie Irving because Kyrie Irving got dropped due to his anti-Semitic remarks uh, when it came to that DVD that he retweeted on 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 social media so essentially John Morant was almost like a replacement of sorts but when all this shit went down yet again they had to drop him and people you have to realize that this was only two months after the first time around where he was caught on IG live with a firearms and this is on I this is on his own IG this is him filming himself at a strip club Waving his get in the air and go bup bup like he just don't care on some Onyx shit. The second time in two months. And keep in mind, when he got busted for it the first time, he was suspended for about eight games and had to do 96 hours of, I don't know if it was like therapy or sensitivity training or some shit like that. But he only did 96 hours of that and he was able to play basketball again right before the playoffs started. Okay, and the only thing, sorry, I'm just, this, this, this whole thing is, is very stressful to me right now because of the lack of common sense. And not only that, but the way the NBA media specifically has been treating this, the way the NBA media has been treating John Morant, they're treating him as if he's dealing with some sort of mental illness. They're coddling him and saying to the public, Oh, 
He's, he just made a mistake. He just made a mistake. He's young. You know, he, he's, he's just got to have better people around him, man. And, you know, like, we shouldn't be throwing the hammer down on a 23-year-old kid. You know, he made a mistake. Meanwhile, there are people arguing left, right, up, and down, and center, talking about how Nikola Jokic, for example, should not be the third MVP in a row, or should not earn his third MVP award in a row, simply because of the fact that he's white. So we're excoriating an athlete for doing his job simply because of the fact that he's white and hasn't won on the big stage, but we're coddling a player who is seen as one of the top faces of the league, who is probably seen as arguably the most electrifying and exciting player to watch, almost in the sense of like a Vince Carter back in his heyday. We're coddling him. Basically stating that he just made a mistake. I'm sorry. We should be flaming this kid for what he's doing. Because it's it's bad enough you did it the first time. You did it twice. Twice. Now, far be it for me. If I am to be objective for a second. For all we know, this video may not be a brand new video. This video could have taken place around the same time as the first video. Now, I haven't been on IG Live in a while, so I don't know if you're able to actually see the date as to when the video was recorded. But if anyhow, I mean, either way, regardless if it was done back then or if it was done recently, it's still a bad look. But it's even worse if this shit was recorded not long ago. Because again, two months prior, you already went through this, and now you're doing it again. And so I would implore the NBA, in fact, it would behoove the NBA to punish this guy with a lengthy suspension. This one guy who goes by the name of Chris Russo, a.k.a. Mad Dog, said how he should be suspended for 40 games going into next season. Honestly? I wouldn't mind if you were. I wouldn't mind. I mean, this ain't the malice at the palace. But I would say a lengthy suspension, 40 games. Hey, if he gets 40 games, I'm not crying about it. I think he should get at least a minimum, a minimum of 20 games. Not the slap on the wrist bullshit. Don't credit this to mental health, no. Because at the end of the day, I'm not going to use the mental health, health argument on a person who wants to play gangster. And this isn't even the first time or second time that he's had these instances. I mean, the first time around, he wants to get all cocky and say how we're fine in the West. We don't have to worry about any other team in the Western Conference. We're only focused on the Boston Celtics. Okay, you know what? I'll chalk that up to just like immature trash talking. Didn't break any laws. Didn't hamper the image of the NBA. Cool. But then in a road game against the Indiana Pacers, he allegedly, him and his camp, not even like players on his team, but his camp, his entourage, if you will, are allegedly pointing lasers at the opposing team bus. Like infrared lasers, like guns, basically. We don't know if they're if they're pointing guns or not, but they're giving that implication that they were. Otherwise, why the fuck would you have a laser pen? Like this is in the 90s where laser pens are cool. Alright? So there's that. And then you have the incidents 
at the strip club with him going on his own IG live and flashing a gun. You have that. Then you have the incident where him and his teammates got into a, or almost got into a fight with NBA analyst Shannon Sharp, who's also a former pro football player. By the way, I'm not sure why pro, former pro football players are now NBA analysts. A separate conversation for, for a separate pod. Whatever. They get into an... Uh, I'm not going to say an altercation because no fists were thrown. Like, no one was being pushed. Right? It was a bunch of holding back moments and stuff like that. <sighs> and then now you have this incident. And then on top of that, the people who are coddling him are now trying to change the narrative. And they're trying to change the discussion altogether by stating that this has to deal with politics and, and then gun control laws in America. People are actually trying to to say how um, they're trying to draw comparisons between what Ja is doing versus the versus the, the 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 shooting that happened in Texas not long ago. I'm sorry, but these are two completely different incidences. We're not talking about Ja Morant firing off his gun all willy nilly, and this has nothing to do with gun control laws as well. No one is saying Ja Morant shouldn't have a gun. No one has said that. Nobody at all. Not a single soul. No one has said that. All we are saying is this guy shouldn't be waving his gat in the air simply because of the fact that he is a professional athlete playing in the most competitive le- competitive basketball league in the world as one of its prime faces, not just of now, but for the future going forward. And it's a bad image to represent, especially if you consider the fact that it's a black guy waving a gun in the air. Like, are people not linking... The, st- the stereotypical images of a black man and a gun. And this is a family-friendly product we're talking about here. If he were a rapper, that's a different story. Because rappers don't have a league. And they don't have a boss that they have to adhere to. Unless if it's their record label. And their record label and record labels in history. Since the dawn of gangster rap. Have said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wave your gun in the air. Wear a million chains. Put grills in your mouth. Yeah, sell, sell the audience that gangster image. Because you know why? That makes money. And rap, you can do that no problem. Because they want you to do that. But John Morant is not a rapper. And he's not from the streets, neither. He grew up in a two-parent household. With a younger sibling. And they both put pastel colors in their hair. Clearly indicating that they're fans of anime. You are not a gangster. Stop trying to prove your blackness by trying to be gangster. Because that doesn't prove blackness. That that proves your own coonery. That proves coonery. That proves to people that you want to live out the stereotype of a black guy. And when I see shit like this, it pisses me off. Because it lets me know that we're still in that era where black people feel as though that they have to cater and pander to their stereotypical images in order to prove to themselves and to others that they are in fact black. When being black is relative. It's not one singularity. It's not a monolithic idea that you have to adhere to. Blackness is subjective and relative to whomever it places itself onto. My definition of blackness may be completely different from somebody else's. That doesn't make me or the other person in question less black because neither of us are adhering to a stereotype or only one of us is adhering to a stereotype. And I feel like this is a message that we still shouldn't have to be orating to the masses 
But lo and behold, in 2023, the year of our Lord, we still have to do that shit. And quite frankly, it's very tiring. And it's, it's to the point where it's a conversation that I kind of don't want to be a part of anymore. As a black guy, I just want to live my life. You know, I want to live my life. I want to go play basketball. I want to go to the cottage on weekends. I want to go to, to an outdoor park and listen to a live band playing. I want to do regular human being shit where I'm just living my life without having to worry about whether or not I've lived up to the black quota for the day. But now we got ignorant ass people like John Morant waving their guns in the air thinking that they're hard and that they're gangster. And we got dumbass idiot analysts who are catering and pandering and coddling them as if they have mental health issues, which is the reason why they flash a gun on their own fucking social media feed. And yet they have a problem with a white guy being the MVP of the league for a third year in a row. But they have no problem with one of their black athletes waving around a gun and basically stating that it's all because of his mental health and that he just needs help and that we shouldn't come down with a hammer on him and that we should just treat him as if he's one of our own. Man, fuck this shit. Yo, this guy's getting the wanks of the week. Fuck all this, man. This is so fucking stupid. John Morant, you're a fucking idiot. I hope you get suspended for a lengthy amount of games. And to all the NBA analysts who are coddling him, you guys are being irresponsible yet again. But this is probably like the, the one of the most egregious forms of irresponsibility that I've seen from so-called experts and panelists in a very long time. And they should be ashamed of themselves for even pandering to the shit in the first place. So as far as I'm concerned, they're getting the wanks of the week as well. Stephen A., Kendrick Perkins, Jalen Rose, who I, I admire Jalen Rose, but he's getting the wanks for this shit too. JJ Reck, another guy that I like, but again... Comparing this to the fucking shooting that happened in Texas? Nah, man, you're a fucking clown for that shit, too. So I'm sorry, but you're getting the wanks as well. And anyone else who was pandering and trying to defend this guy for his own ineptitude, you're all getting the wanks of the week as well. Fans, rappers, I don't care who the hell you are. If you are even trying to give this guy the benefit of the doubt, even though this is the second time in two months that he pulled this shit off, you're getting this Wanks to two. Everybody can get it. Wholesale. Everyone can get a piece of this shit. And that about does it for today's episode, people. No, I got a little bit riled up, but again, same shit, different toilet. It's, it's all the same shit. Rinse and repeat. I'm so over this shit. It's so stupid. Ugh. All right. You know what? We're going to leave off on a happy note. We're going to leave off on a happy note. That's what we're going to do. We're going to leave off on a happy note. We're going to ride off into the sunset. And we're gonna. I'm going to bless you guys with some more topics within the weeks to come. So once again, I want to thank you all for tuning in. You guys already know. You guys are the realest ones for tuning in on a regular basis. Um, hit me up on all my socials. Um, you can follow me at DM underscore cool. Or you can follow me at cool for thought. The number four in the thought. All one word. And then you can catch this podcast on Spotify, Google Play, and uh, SoundCloud as well. And as you already know, Cool Radio is a division of Cool Click Media and Entertainment, reminding you each and every day that we are out here creating our own legacies. Keep it gravy and wavy. We are out of here. Peace. Cool.